0: This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.
1: Good morning.
2: Good morning, neighbors, and welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show you on Power 1 and 2 Digital. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. All right. Of course, we got news brief coming up at 8 o'clock for Trinity Champlain Auto Services. Take a quick look. A little bit of traffic, uh, a little volume on the creek. Rivulet Road is not too bad. Um, Should main road is, is busy as usual and leaving uh montrose as you head northbound to endeavor got some traffic there before chinchin Come road kelly village heading towards omira road and Trin city to ue light you've got some traffic there eastern main road, not too bad Kennedy capital not too bad there's a bit of volume from um Barataria into port of spain all right so big traffic update for you all right uh at 15 minutes after the hour of uh 7 o'clock, let me get my guest online and uh we give the results or hopefully we could have him online and give the results at that same time. So our poll
3: this morning was do you think that the six-month ban on the scrap iron dealership will put a dent in the criminality in that sector? And we had 23 people voting on the poll this morning. Of the 23, 12 of you said yes, you think it will make a dent. 11 of you said no. So it was pretty close um, in terms of people's opinions on the issue. So 12 of you said yes. 11 of you said no. That's our poll for this morning. Of course, just reminding you that greedy people is continuing. Greedy people went to South Greedy people who are in town and now greedy people are going east to Cipriani College in Valsaine. The greedy people have arrived and we'll be there this weekend, Saturday at 8:30, Sunday at 6:30. Tickets available at our usual outlets, which are Alextronics in Arima, Jabili raway in Tunapuna, next door to signs Roadie Shop, Fens of Marabella in Piako Plaza. For those of you in the Trinity area who love to come to Cipriani College and tony's florals in val scene val park val park shopping plaza just beneath the val park chinese restaurant the pet butler on number one harris street in Qrep k squared fashions in um west mall the falls of west mall which is on the ground floor opposite almost opposite optometrist today um, and of course, the box office at Cipriani College opens tomorrow <laughs> from 12 noon to 6 p.m. daily. So, looking forward to this play We are Really enjoying it. I've not been on stage in a while, and yeah. I'm having a mm-hmm. ball. Lovely. It is, um, a really people entertaining you
0: by Steve And um, I think
3: people are having a great time watching yeah. the play. Well, judging from the, a lot of the um. Reviews that we have gotten, we got a review, a video review of the play, and we got 4.8 out of 5 stars. Right. Can you believe it? So greedy people got 4.8 out of 5 stars from OMG Reviews. And so, and I'm, I said, audiences are absolutely Fantastic loving it. Fantastic, Richard. Don't miss it. So we at Cyprian
0: College this weekend. All right. I find you should have a cameo by Steve.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I find you should have a doubles man yeah, there. A
0: play called Greedy People, and I'd have a by Yeah. His
2: teeth, and um, I will start beating doubles inside the road, and I'll, I'll bring my my friend uh-huh. on, online, Mister the Honourable Minister Fitzgerald Hines. We both will stand up and eat some doubles. Yep. That's it. Good morning to you, Minister Hines.
1: A very good morning to you. Good morning to you, Steve, Can, and um, our good friend Richard, and um, your colleagues in studio and your listeners across the place. Happy to be in your company. Yeah,
2: we got Paul in here as well. Won't you stand with me and eat some doubles by the vendor?
1: I'd be quite happy to do that. Yes. That's a big, 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 big eater of that because, um, you know, I, I, I watch my flour content and my oil content a little more closely than i used to when i was younger but i would certainly join you for a taste of it man
0: yeah man Shout but the, Benny. the question is the question is minister good morning would we be safe doing that
1: well it it it, it you know it, it, it is um a question of being safe anywhere anywhere in the world actually when i read what is happening across the region across the hemisphere across the world it's The world is a very difficult and challenging place with some global and common issues to all of us so but man has to continue to dine man has to continue to recreate man has to continue to work man has to continue to lead his family man has to to continue to do what he has to do in the face of all of these challenges in answer to your question
0: you're in a particular peculiar situation where as minister of national security uh you and the cabinet uh, led by the prime minister have to devise policy uh i guess in some instances contribute to strategy for crime fighting Where in in a scenario where yes the world there's crime and criminality around the world but we're talking about a small space that has been identified as having a very high per capita level of crime 1.4 million it, it i mean divulging national security strategy may be unproductive but but what do you tell a population that seems to feel in many instances that the crime has the criminals have taken over and i use that term very guardedly yeah who are frustrated with the
2: level of crime mm-hmm.
1: yeah but i would go with the second formula because clearly they have not taken over you know as we speak i can tell you based some reports available to me after last night the police would have arrested some of the key people suspects and there's an ongoing thing. Um, so I would go with the second formula, being very frustrated at the level of crime. And it is very, very frustrating. It heartrending, heart-rending. It is traumatizing to see the kind of firearms, AR-15s, and other kinds of assault weapons and the quantity of them in the hands. I mean, I saw a video last evening listening to the voice of a young citizen of trinidad and tobago just judging from the tone of his voice i would gather he'd probably be around 22 years 23 years doesn't sound like a very old or mature person and in the possession of a gun they didn't feature his face a serious weapon and the language that's coming out of his mouth demonstrates an emptiness and an ignorance that is that is frightening and tend to consider you have Hundreds, if not thousands of them, access to these weapons. I was speaking to the U.S. authorities yesterday in my office, the Shah's defers and other officials from the U.S. Embassy, and we were discussing elements of this. And we were discussing the fact that these guns are manufactured in the U.S., in Russia, in China, other parts, Germany, other parts of the world, and they make their way to our communities, as I saw in that video last night. It is very, very frustrating. And these guns in the hands of young, energetic, ignorant young men is clearly a very dangerous thing, and they are using them. So it is very frustrating. And then it falls to the the government to do things about our border security, to do things in our international relations, operations, to cooperate with others. Like yesterday, one of the things we were discussing is tracing firearms from manufacture with their serial numbers to destruction. There are systems in the world and the international communities rallying around that. Trinidad and Tobago is a apart, and therefore it helps you to track these firearms, see who's supplying them from the U.S., who bought them, when and where, how they came to Trinidad, how they are distributed. Those things help in the fight against this business. But um, so it falls to the government to do these. But government. minister, is it
3: is it that because I hear you, and and I hear you talking about the the issue of guns and stuff and uh, and getting in the hands of people and 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 um, especially young gang members, um, and you have all of these issues, and these are issues that we've been battling with for years. Is it? And the, and the problem just seems to be escalating now. Um, it almost feels as if and I think Darian uh, Darius Figuera has said that the social rules, because apparently there are rules within gang criminality are getting blurred and of being no more enforcement within gangs themselves. and he suggests think that's why the criminality has ramped up in the kind and kinds of ways that we're seeing does the state and by the state i mean the government and the ttps really know know how to handle the situation and if they don't shouldn't we seek more aggressively international assistance in dealing with the situation where citizens are on the front line
1: international assistance from where from the united kingdom from germany from the us from france they have from wherever they have this going on in their countries too. This is an international phenomenon. Yeah, but it's it's not on the same
3: level. Surely you recognize it's not on the same level. We are a small space of 1.4 million people.
1: I don't know about the level, and I can't immediately comment on that. But when you talk about international assistance, I told you earlier, there is collaboration internationally between Trinidad and other states. We are part of a number of multinational arrangements. We have bilateral arrangements. We work very closely with the United States, our neighbor in the north, and there is already collaboration. Our police officers are trained in these countries. We have officers from those countries coming here, conducting training, assistance. This is an ongoing thing for many years, and it is not that we don't know how to deal with these issues, but of course, according to you, it it, it really is burdensome. I mean... You know, we have laws of Trinidad and Tobago, we have a constitution, and we are dealing with it within the confines of the law and within the confines of the constitution. And then we have issues around the delays in the criminal justice system, and therefore justice is not delivered swiftly and on time. And that itself contributes to the problems. You have issues of of not making use of the educational and training opportunities available to you as young persons. You have weaknesses in parenting and familial structures, and it's a conglomeration of a whole heap of things. And it is an ongoing issue that we constantly have to be grappling with. And I accept that whatever the reason or reasons, when you see 14 people die in one week and 20-something people shot, and it's every minute. And it's not only gangs, you know. I saw last week to my consternation an 80-year-old man is alleged to have taken a shotgun and killed an 82-year-old woman somewhere in the southwestern area. of. But what's,
0: what's driving, if you can tell us, the present spike in murders?
1: Well, as I said, it's a, it's a, it's a combination of things. But for me, for the most part, is the availability. Because even if people are ignorant, and volatile and drug-infested and and, and tending to that kind of violence, if they don't have a gun in their hand, which is a lethal-barreled weapon with lethal consequences, and the statistics show that 87% of the murders we have are indeed with guns, then to my mind, as a layman, because I'm not a professional police officer, But from all the information available to me, coming from the police as well, I am of the view that it is the availability of the guns. Hence the reason why we, the government, yours truly as minister, has put as the highest priority in this country, improvement in our border security, because they do come in. We do not manufacture them. And the task is, Yesterday, soldiers and police, led by intelligence, went out on the north coast, and they were able to recover some firearms and ammunition, and so on. It's a constant fight to protect our borders, and those who are weakening our borders involve, as Paul will know, and unfortunately, in Trinidad as other places in the world, state officials. There are people who work for the state who should be protecting you, but they become complicit. So it's a constant fight to improve our border security. That, therefore, is the highest priority of the Ministry of National Security. And one of the highest priorities for the government as a whole. And then, secondly, to further professionalize the police service. So that they could go out there aggressively and find these guns using all. i'm the glad you mentioned that because i thought
0: about my next question carefully to give you the right the opportunity to answer and, and it, as clearly as possible to, and, the, order, and, the the we, is,
1: and the question is and respond to crime generally in the country what, what are, are you priorities?
0: what are you satisfied with in the performance of the police and what are you dissatisfied with
1: well i think i think like everything else there's a lot more to be done there's a lot more can be done Um, I think generally, and I'll be very honest with you, I think generally a part of the problem, not only with the police service, but with the government services generally, and more generally than that, the entire economic platform or workforce in my country, I think one of the elements that is sorely lacking is optimum effort, optimum energy, optimum productivity. I believe... We are operating well within our capacity. I do not believe people exert best professional efforts at what we do and that is applicable not only to the police and national security but across the board but, and but specific reference and it because it's, it's
0: under your remit as as the line minister well, what I, are you satisfied with in the operations and what are you dissatisfied specifically and your productivity and effort is one thing but in terms of the the specific remit
1: but i don't want to be more specific than that in the context of where we are you know paul because I mean, I understand full well that I am the minister of national security, a high-profile political person, and whatever I say will be interpreted and construed in a certain way, and I fear that it might—answering your question might give— It could possibly give encouragement to those who identify it as a weakness or some soft spot. I know what the situation is. I know what the strengths and weaknesses are. And together with the police commissioner, together with the head of the defense force, in fact, all of the heads of national security, we are constantly on the job to resolving those problems, providing the resources they need and providing the training for their professionalization and high energy operation. And the encouragement so that they could go out there true to their oath to give
0: their lives and service to you the people of trinidad and tobago when other jurisdictions have made progress they have really effectively and consistently applied technology at various levels in law enforcement are we at this stage in your opinion as minister that as, that we are applying technology As effectively as we can and should in terms of aiding law enforcement
1: i can tell you we are using the best technologies that are available in the world because we purchase it and we pay a lot of money for elements of that technology so in terms of the use of technology and use of the scientific method generally in dealing with crime we are making use of those but as i also told you earlier there is a lot more that has to be and a lot more that could be done I am lost so,
2: so, so
1: if there's a lot more that
3: could be done is it what is preventing that happening is it
1: finance? Well, is it? I think some, it? sometimes, sometimes you know, you, you, I mean, we have to. Well, national security. To be quite frank, from the perspective of the cabinet, we um, are a high high priority uh, ministry, and like education, we are, we are given priority on the nation's financing. Um, so sometimes there's a little lag behind in terms of the technology and accessing it. And when you access it, take for example, take for example, the technology of cameras, CCTV cameras. I mean, that's one piece of technology that is very, very, very effective. And we had for years a system of CCTV cameras and monitoring around here. And as is well known, I've come to the Senate, I've gone to the Parliament and admitted um, it didn't function as effectively as it should. Cameras out of order, some not working, especially at very critical times. And now we are again in the throes of rehashing that and spending more money behind it, trying to make that more efficient. And there are a host of other things so that um I just give you one example as to the application of technology but the need for optimizing it and doing it in a certain kind of way which ties into the question sometimes of the productivity or the lack thereof of which I spoke a
0: moment ago the Prime Minister indicated I think two weeks ago when he spoke to the country at a press conference that there'll be an early budget this year, more than likely in terms of the Ministry of National Security which toggles with education is usually receiving the highest allocation in the budget for obvious reasons are there new strategies we can expect announced in the budget that will give the population a sense of I guess a more effective management of the criminality in the country
1: well you know you know every cent every dollar spent in national security should give the public that feel. Uh, every time we establish a new police post, a new police station, we recruit more soldiers, we recruit more coast guardsmen. All of these are contributory elements to the effectiveness of national security. So for me, as minister, I, 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 I simply um, uh, hope that the public will understand that that it's an ongoing fight, and the government expends billions in this way. And by the way, I want you to record that, and this is important. If you have to manage, if you have to account, sorry, for the amount we spend on national security, it is not only what you see in the budget, you know, Paul, because we do get a lot of, as I told you a while ago, training and contributions and support from our international partners. So you will find that when you add the national allocation to those, it will be a little more than you would read in the budget documents effectively. But yes, every cent spent is worth it and should assure the public that it is done in their protection in this country. Um, could of course, me to, could me offer, of course. Um, of course you know, national security includes, for example, forensic science center. It includes the probation services. It includes the police service, the prison service. And these articulate with the meet on the highway of the criminal justice system with the courts and such like. So it is it, it now what we do in national security ties into what, In fact, not just the criminal justice system and the judiciary, you know, but it also ties into all the other arms of the government. Because what is done in education to uplift the minds of and to refine our citizens and to make them productive and contributory, that is a contribution to national security, you know. And what is done in social development likewise and community development and housing to provide a house to create stability for a family, And to give them something to call home and something to build on is, in a sense, tied into the business of national security. That's why we say it's a whole-of-government thing. Yes, you were asking a question, Richard?
3: Yeah, yeah, the issue of air support. uh, I know it is a feature of a lot of metropolitan police um, forces um, that you have air support in terms of helicopters, uh, crime has occurred, helicopters are dispatched, um, they're often based on the roofs of um, various uh, metropolitan police departments. Of course, we don't um, seem to have helicopter support for the TTPS. And when we had spoken to this about with McDonald Jacob, the acting COP, he said, well, the TTPS uses drones. But of course, drones have a limited range um, in terms of how f- how quickly they can be deployed and also how far they can go. And of course, um, helicopters can support in a very um, real-time and aggressive way, following perpetrators as they traverse the highways, etc., etc. We don't see that as a feature of our our defense of citizens approach. Why is that? Is it the well, that's, expense?
1: That's not altogether true. I mean, we did have helicopters in the platform here operated by the then SSA, by then S-A-U-T-T, That SORT. We do have relationships with that state agency called the National Helicopters Services of Trinidad and Tobago. So over the years, we have had access to those. And of course, now, yes, we do use drones, and we want to improve our capacity in that respect. We do use drones, um, as you say, with the limited application that it offers. We also have a 360-degree radar coverage around both our islands as well. And you correctly pointed out the air support in terms of helicopters can get quickly to certain scenes and that sort of thing. We used to have three or four Augustus Westland helicopters in operation, and um, they had proved, particularly after we suffered the hit in our revenue between 2016 and 2019, this government, when we went in in 2015, we had some Serious decisions to make. So when Paul asked a while ago about finances, the answer was impliedly yes. We had to decide whether we can keep these helicopters, which consumes millions of dollars every six months. I mean, we dealt with it in the cabinet and balanced that against the needs for other things, because we had to make serious financial adjustments when we went in in 2020. 15 in light of the revenues of Trinidad and Tobago. And so um, we had to decide whether they at the cost they were coming in at every six months, millions of dollars we had to be paying to service them and different things. And we had to do a bit of a balancing act. So we've kept one and we've um, put to pay to the others for the time being, keep them, in in a kind of reserve, doing things with them um, to see if they can become productive in other sectors and in other ways. So it's a question of affordability as well in that regard. And yes, they do help, but we believe that with the resources we now have, we can manage the situation um, until, of course, Trinidad and Tobago could do uh, what
0: we used to do and perhaps even better. One of the arsenals available to the government, any government, is its ability to pass and amend laws. Uh, Are there specific laws coming in the next session of parliament that the government plans to uh, either enact or amend? I know the private security bill is on the table. That will give law enforcement and the state uh, a stronger legislative framework in dealing with criminality.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That is one of them, and the Attorney General is now shaping up and sharpening up his legislative agenda for when we go back out after this break. But I would have preferred Paul, uh, if the truth be told, if Richard or or Steve had asked this question, you being a parliamentarian, and um, <laughs> and, and it seems <laughs> ring. And, Pat, no, not only that, you know, it might be a question that you should have been able to answer, but I don't want to comment on recent parliamentary activity when we would have come there with a certain bill and so on. This is not the forum for that. Well,
0: no. well I, th- I think the this Privy is Council saw particular of that particular issue. Is yes. No,
1: no, the Privy Council didn't. That is probably a misunderstanding. I don't think the Privy Council did, but this is not a forum for that. I would have rather Richard had asked the question, but he yes, asked. We do have a legislative agenda part of the responsibility of the government is to take leadership and bring measures to the parliament offer it to the parliament and hope that it will get the parliamentary support in order to do it sometimes we do sometimes we don't um but the the the, the, the fight and the battle and the defense of the people of trinidad and tobago must
0: continue steve you see how skillful he did that uh, <laughs> Without, without malice or intent. I am never a malicious man, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> as as Minister of National Security, what is your message to the population that is anxious about crime? It is very, very simple. I based on, well, not,
1: well, okay. Because when you become a minister, you bring your life experience to the job like any other job. I spent time in the police service. I was a police instructor there. I spent time as a student of the law for seven years. I spent time as a practitioner of the law in the criminal court. Richard would know me and know that and uh, at all levels of our courts. And therefore, I bring—and I served in this ministry before— So I bring all of those experiences to bear here. And on the basis of all of those experiences, I am convinced to put it this way that no guerrilla force can operate in any community without the knowledge and of and or support of the local community. I said that to say if there are criminals and gangs and people peddling these pills and cocaine and guns in your community, abusing people in your community as I know they do, burning down houses in your community and everybody running scared and some playing along with them deceitfully. Part of the responsibility in dealing with this crime because as I said yesterday, gentlemen, there are 7,000 police officers in the country, but 1.4 million people. There are over 10,000 lampposts that have cable on it, but 7,000 police. There are all numbers of gates and manhole covers and people fence and metal and things all over the place, but only 7,000 police. Wasa and Tech have installations, booster stations, this, that, they are all over the place. But 7,000 police. So that they cannot be everywhere. How but would you those respond, of us, Minister? Those to, of us, to... Let me finish answering answer your question. Those of us, say, my message to the society is, you need to assist yourself. You need to assist your police service in protecting you. And therefore, if you see something, you know something, you should assist yourself. The life you save may just be your own. That is my message. If we gang up, if all of us law-abiding people who don't want these murders and don't want this mayhem, if we
0: gang up against the criminal gangs, they cannot beat us. They cannot you win. You are absolutely right in principle, but that, cooperation is also pegged as you well know to trust and confidence in the ttps and they have been questioned about that Th-
1: that's why we are working to further professionalize the police service to make them more professionals than Trinidadians because Trinidadians tend to be very loose on the lip I am no of no doubt some police officers might just in a bar with their friends or along a dinner table say things they ought not to say And create all kinds of issues, and not only police officers, people everywhere, including parliamentarians, and 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 all. That's how you know. So, so we want to further professionalise them. We want to improve the laws and the regulations that govern and surround their activities. And of course, hopefully, we will build that platform of confidence yet again. But there must be one police officer. There must be one minister of government, there must be one head of the department wherever you work in this country who you could confide in and have confidence in to share critical information about guns that may take your own life later today in your
0: community. There must be one. How would you respond to a sentiment in some quarters? I've seen some editorials in in the Daily Newspapers that suggest or imply that the government is performing less than adequately in fighting crime or or arresting criminality?
1: Well, that doesn't startle me or surprise me. I've seen that
0: many, many, many,
1: many, 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 many times over the years that I've had the capacity to read as a citizen of this country. And I pay, of course, closer attention to what they say as a minister of government and more specifically as a minister of national security. But it never surprises me. I see an editorial as an opinion by an individual or a group of individuals working out of a particular newspaper. And I recognize that there are things that they might have ideas of, but they wouldn't know. Their knowledge of a lot of stuff is limited. I don't get angry. I don't get upset. I take it for what it is worth, and I always look inside of the lines to see what I could glean from it, win from it, gain from it, in order to make the platform that has to respond to crime more effective and better. So I am constantly in touch with the leadership of the police service, the leadership of our intelligence agencies, the defense force, and all the arms of national security, articulating as a member parliament, as a citizen, the ideas that come from the citizenry, including through the editorials, and I raise these matters with them, encourage them, support them, provide the resources, and try to use it to see how we can improve what we have to do in the interests of the
0: people of Trinidad and Tobago the government has initiated a ministry of youth and i forget the full name youth development and national service youth youth development and national service thank you for the for the the, update the advisory as a member of parliament in an area that has been described as a hotspot by many and other areas similar uh do you think that the ministry is uh of youth development and national service has is delivering in terms of the other side of the intervention where possible criminality is concerned?
1: The answer is undoubtedly yes. I am personally aware of many of the young people of my community who are making use of the barbering, the agriculture the sound technology, the music and the courses that have been put out and advertised by the Ministry of Youth Development and National Service. I'm aware that the cabinet has just allowed that ministry to have access to 50 acres of land on the Western Peninsula and that the cabinet has given the approval to refurbish the old convention center to create out of it a youth development center, so-called youth camp, where agriculture will be the main focus in one of the programs and other youth centers around the country, in one of the programs which they call the Homestead Program. I can tell you happily, by the way, I embarked about six weeks ago on a 15-cottage meeting outreach in the constituency of Lavantil West. Today, Tuesday, I will conduct the 7th of that 15. And at every one of them, I go to packed houses, packed community centers in Laventon West, including Saturday going at the Sin facility opposite the basketball court. I am absolutely amazed, happy, impressed that in I don't know where it's coming from, but more and more young people of Laventille who grew up on stone quarry, 50 by 50 piece of land, showing interest in agriculture, in fish farming, in livestock rearing, and therefore the program in the Ministry of Youth Development supporting agriculture and in this homestead program where if you complete successfully over two year training program as a young man or woman the government will give you a piece of land commensurate with the kind of agricultural business you want to get into with a home on it this is why it is called a homestead so that you wouldn't plant and then come home to lavender for people to thief it in the night you'll be there to watch your business and watch it grow And I am very, very impressed that more and more youth of Laventil are showing interest in that sort of thing. So that ministry is really hitting the button with young people. I was happy to have led it for its first seven months. Minister Cummins is going on powerfully in it, and the work and that it was one of the ministries I should have remembered earlier to tell you is also a very significant contributor to a state of national security because it is guiding Now, presuming that, youth,
0: that program is available to every national, price. what are the pre-qualifications and eligibility criteria for that program? Because you mentioned you Virtually, coming v- virtually
1: none. It's not going to be no five passes and all that. It really is going to be some literacy, some interest, and some what the old people used to call ambition ambition no, no, have the thinking. question
0: in the context of now I think it's from what you you've described it's a very uh worthy endeavor to get people involved in the sector that needs young people involved but I haven't heard about it. it has has it been nationally advertised so that people from all over the country can apply <laughs> you know I was about
1: it you, maybe you're too busy reading and misguiding yourself with consul opinion
0: but i can't say that because wow. I, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you will never do that because you're not a malicious person i wouldn't do that i wouldn't do that that's another place <laughs> yes, that's yes. i couldn't resist it paul you must forgive me but
1: no seriously that's that program right. has been well advertised <laughs> And it's very well-known, as I told you, young people across Laventil are raising it, arguing it, asking me about it. So it's very, you might have missed it because the load of a parliamentarian, a lot of people don't know, in fairness to you, is tremendous. They think it's only when you sit in the parliament in your nice suit and get up and make a most eloquent presentation. But what they do not know is the number of committees that you, for example, Paul, would chair or be a part of, absorbing almost every day of your life each day in the parliament and all of the research and all of the things that you have to deal that's with that's a good that's a from... good come No, to the judges, no, though, no, I no,
0: no. It. Would, in fairness to you so maybe maybe that kind of thing might have gotten lost i'm, in so, some of that. I'm, I'm not asking for myself i'm asking for people who may be still interested in it actually. no but it is it is and if you go on that ministry's website they call it my dns my
1: ministry of youth development and national service if you go on their website, you will get to see all of these for the young people across the country. And that is not the only ministry that offers programs for youth development. Mm, um, and that ministry has now taken over the CCC and the Mylat and the MIPAT and, and those kinds of programs as well. But we also have in the Ministry of Education, the MIC. And I heard this morning and last night a massive radio ad um, where the NESC, the National Energy Skills Corporation, is now asking young people across the country to come forward and participate at their several campuses around the country in the several training programs to prepare them for a life of work and a life of income and success. And I heard that this morning on your radio, on Z Radio, and I heard it up to last night. So yes, there are many opportunities for youth. And I might tell you in closing on that, when we recruit into the fire service, the prison service, the defense force, the police force is only young people because, you, for the most part, they take people up to the age of 25. So when you hear, we go, when you hear there's a past now parade of 156 defense force personnel, all of them is under 25. And so the story goes with nursing, with teaching. I mean, you know, there are opportunities for young people in the country, but I think the availability of guns, and some nasty information that is coming by way of social media, and then some abusive adults who take these young... For example, these gang leaders. They take our boys. A woman came to my office, let me just tell you quickly, about three weeks ago, and t- she brought a 13-year-old son, and she from the Laventhal area, my area, and she's frightened to death about the fact that the criminals in her community are actively re- putting young children in the neighborhood. That's what she told me. And she's fearful for her son and the children.
0: They organised social... But you events. know what's interesting about that? As you will know, because you're part of the parliament, that there are laws in place for recruiting minors for gangs.
1: Well, you know, it, yes, of course. And that's what the anti-gang law purports and so on, which without parliamentary support, we were not able to carry with full effect. But the bottom line, Paul, is... That, um, that that's what they're doing it may not uh, she's saying what they, what she was telling me is that they have social events and they invite the children and an unwitting parent would send the child and while the child bouncing around in the bouncy castle or eating um, uh, marshmallows and eating uh, cotton candy some criminal put their eyes on them to see how they how they gauge and this is what the woman tell me you know, if they if they're kind of friendly with them or if they're withdrawn and, they gauge in and they're gauging and recruiting the children to hide and use their phone for when the police patrol passing, or to carry a gun or hide it in the mother house in the in the, in the kitchen and all them sort of something. So these abusive adults in our society, criminal-minded abusive adults, they're creating battery problem too. So these programs that I was telling you about are all designed to direct our youth away from that, and parents have to be like mother hen. The other day, I had a bird in my plant here. I didn't know. Bird came into my porch and made nests. And you know something? I go on now to move the plant. The bird might fly out. When I look in there, I see some young ones, some nestlings, as it were. And while i doing that, the mother's
2: zing one,
1: flying at me, you know, attack. And I say, there it goes. The instinct of a mother to protect her babies and parents have to have that instinct and that consciousness to actively protect your children from those who will use
0: them and get them into deep trouble from which sometimes they couldn't return mr thank you for being with us this morning we appreciate your time and your contribution
1: i thank you all very very much but when steve called me last evening he called me to tell me he wanted to discuss the The scrap scrap iron iron trade and its affairs And i noticed that you skillful journalists took me miles away from that
0: well we have two minutes left so let's talk about that that now active law and we really should discuss that (laughs) and and what the government hopes to achieve by this let's leave
1: that for another occasion i'm always very we have you here so you can can give us us a
0: quick comment on it please
1: well you would have heard that the government recognizes that this thing has mushroomed snowballed into a massive criminal enterprise when they were coming around for years, taking up a little piece of scraps and old pots and old galvanized, that was fine. That was environmentally useful. It was disposed of. They made a little money from it. Buying scrap iron and things, nice. But what has happened in the last few years, and acutely in the last few months, is that they have converted assets now. Workable, good assets. Your gate, the manhole cover, the copper cable, fiber. All of that, they have converted that to scrap in a very magnificent criminal enterprise and getting it out of country to satisfy markets elsewhere. It is disrupting people's lives. It is disrupting the national security effort because communication is becoming a problem. I have reports in front of me. The energy companies are having problems. Many people are having problems. And the government recognizing that had to take swift action. It did. We have imposed a ban for six months from the 12th of August. That will run to the 28th of February, during which time, in fact, within three months, the attorney general will come to, uh, um, to the cabinet with proposals for the reform form of that industry a regulated industry to cut out the criminality and to allow the bona fide industry to continue as Mr. Ferguson and others would expect it but Uh, is the government worried at all that the patient was severely severely bleeding as I speak and Mm. good surgeons know you have to stop the bleeding first before you could deal with the problem
0: are you worried that the the what may happen is that the criminals may just start to hoard and stockpile while continuing their criminal activity well
1: that will give the police an opportunity to go to all the registered yards and the non-registered yards again if people will let us know help the law enforcement where they are the police will go and be able to check it all but it will not be able to leave our ports and if it is stockpiled physical as it is it will be somewhere and it should be easily uh, detectable.
2: Thank you, Minister Hines. Appreciate it. I just have one quick question, Minister. If a vehicle is on your road carrying metal, is the police, um, have you instructed the acting uh, COP um, to pull them over and see what they carry in it to see if it's legit?
1: I would rather suspect that even without my having to say so, the police would look to see whether that is copper and where that copper came from. They will certainly do. But, of course, what is banned is the export of it. Um, but in terms of movement on our streets, the police must have some curiosity as to where it came from, who is carrying it, and where it's going, in which stockpile. And, therefore, I'm sure the police in their own initiative will look into that. So I thank you very warmly again, gentlemen. All right. And you are a real professional. A whole interview on Scrap Iron in two minutes, but well done.
2: Minister Heinz, thank you so much for joining us on the Power Breakfast Show. Thank you for choosing Power 102
0: Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember,
2: like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.